0: Hi, and welcome to Data Hack Radio. This is Kunal, your host for the show. In this episode, we will talk to Christoph Molnar. Christoph is currently a researcher in the area of interpretable machine learning, and he has recently written a book on interpretable machine learning. Our machine learning models need interpretability as soon as you take them to business. And in this episode, we'll talk to Christoph about what are some of the ways in which we can add interpretability or make our models more interpretable. So thanks uh, Christoph for uh, taking time out for this uh, podcast and I'm really excited to have you on the show. Uh okay. before we thanks ex- for having me. Yeah, thank you. So before we get into uh you know your book and some of the questions I have just wanted to understand your background how you started into uh, analytics and data science and, and how did your journey start?
1: Yes um first of all thanks for having me. Um so my background is in statistics i started mm-hmm. um so i studied statistics like a bachelor and a master's degree which i did mm-hmm. uh, both in germany and munich mm-hmm. and but i was always quite interested in, in machine learning and started out like also with doing competitions online and uh, found out mm-hmm. that like the like the standard approaches like the linear regression model didn't work as well mm-hmm. as i hoped so i started learning much much more about machine learning for example random forest mm-hmm. and so on and so i kind of like build up my knowledge in, in machine learning and after i finished uh, studying um, after i finished my master's degree i started working first uh, a year in a fintech startup mm-hmm. doing some machine learning then two years more like a traditional statistician job
2: mm-hmm.
1: where i also did some modeling but more on like answering questions um, like some treatments work or or don't work Mm -hmm. and yeah then so I was kind of always in the middle between machine learning and statistics Mm -hmm. and yeah then I kind of went into this like interpretable machine learning and started doing some research there and finally started uh, my PhD also on the topic of interpretable machine learning yeah that's what I'm doing right now Sure, sure. So, uh, in the statistician role which you were
0: doing, that was also in uh, fintech domain, or that was uh, uh, some other domain?
1: That was in a medical do- domain, medical the statistician. Interesting. So, so,
0: yeah. so, your experience has been in the fintech side, then medical domain, and uh, in, in both the inter- industries have a clear requirement of interpretable machine learning. So, so I can see. Yep. Yeah. Uh, some sort of threat. Uh, so, uh, so it's actually very interesting. So, you know, your journey started from competitions where a lot of times, uh, you know, people's focus kind of uh, ends up being on building models which give uh, uh, results or you know uh, improve mm-hmm. position on leaderboard. To a place where you're now, you know, researching on interpretable machine learning. So, so uh, tell us a bit more about you know how that happened. So, so uh, you know wh- what kind of motivated you to get into interpretable machine learning? So, so were there some incidences which happened or were were there some, you know, something which happened, which triggered this?
1: Mm-hmm. So when when I kind of look back at my time at university, mm-hmm. because I studied statistics, I kind of started with interpretability because we learned about like, for example, linear regression model, logistic mm-hmm. regression model. But also, every time, like how we train them and so on, but also, like, how do we interpret the parameters? So, mm-hmm. this was always like, kind of like what I learned. Yeah. And then I got quite excited about machine learning because it just works so much better when you do uh, just want to have a good prediction. Yeah. Not always, but um, many times, uh, very mm-hmm. often. Um, but I also saw like a lot of people like, who started working and Then I wanted to say, hey, why don't you use machine learning for like problem the problem you're working on? Mm -hmm. And the answer was always, yeah, we can't explain how it works. Uh, Management will not accept like a black box model. So Mm -hmm. this is one of the reasons, kind of, um, I I think interpretability is so important. Or what also got me interested. Mm -hmm. Then it really started for me when i was doing my second job so because Mm -hmm. i only worked 80 percent, it means i had one day off per Mm -hmm. week Mm -hmm. and yeah first like i always was looking for projects i could work on one was like a deep learning project once this was over i started like reading papers Mm -hmm. and um, there's one paper about like these local um local models like lime Mm -hmm. and this kind of got me started then to think more about like what can you actually do like what techniques do you have for making machine learning models interpretable
2: yeah and
1: then i started reading more papers and i was really looking for like one good blog or a book about this topic mm-hmm. uh, but i didn't f- find anything so i kind of started for myself or to mm-hmm. collect uh, different topics and started writing the book actually okay and, yeah that's how i kind of ended up uh,
0: so if I understand it correctly, it was not driven by a specific problem which you were solving, but uh, you know you were kind of doing this along with your job to see uh, what is the answer to the most common reason people give for not using machine learning. Is that
2: is that? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. it was not like one project in my job or sort of triggered this. It was more like like over the years, like how often I spoke to people and they said I can't use it because it's not interoperable. Also in my job when we did like the analysis for. Uh, if the medication works or not, then of course we use models where we have in the end like some parameters like Mm -hmm. coefficients that we can interpret. And so this occurred to me many times, this problem that uh, people say, hey, we can only use this or this model because uh, any other model would be not interpretable and cannot answer our questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this was like a repeated theme or repeated uh, problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of uh, was very motivated to actually learn more about how you can like use techniques to make a black box model more interpretable like maybe get some information out of it
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, if I were to ask you to kind of step back and summarize the state of the art today. So, you know, uh, how do you think is machine learning being used in industry uh, and how much emphasis do you think is there in interpretability today? Uh, what What's your take on it uh, uh, as things stand today?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a very big question.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I think. So maybe we can, uh, if you want, we can focus on the domains and the areas you have uh, mm-hmm. experienced on. So that that's probably a good place. Yeah.
1: yeah. So when I think about research, like mm-hmm. if you apply models for answering research questions, mm-hmm. well, it also depends on the area. But um, in some areas, like in medical research, it's uh, like uh, common to just use linear models because mm-hmm. then you get like a coefficient and mm-hmm. in the end can interpret it. Coefficient like significantly different from zero, then mm-hmm. the medication works, um, and you can read out how strong the effect is, and so on. Mm-hmm. And, um, it would be hard, at least in a lot of journals, to publish something where you use machine learning to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, in many other, like this is more anecdotal, so I didn't uh, collect data on this, but a lot of people, like uh, colleagues that studied with me. They um, they say they cannot use machine learning because um, they have to do like it has to be understandable what they do because mm-hmm. I don't know management may be used for uh, to get uh, just uh, interpretable models mm-hmm. and so this is I think really like a one like a barrier to using machine learning
2: yeah yeah
1: uh, the lack of interpretability.
0: Sure. So uh, in your research, so uh, what is the focus of your research? Is it about making these models more interpretable? So so tell us a bit more about your research and and how you're yeah. kind of trying to solve this problem.
1: So my research is more focused on what I call model agnostic methods. Mm-hmm. So I, I distinguish between model agnostic and model specific methods. Yeah, Model agnostic methods don't look inside of the model really. Mm-hmm. And model-specific uh, methods really like depend on the type of model you use, maybe a neural network or a decision tree,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, analyze like parts of this model. Um, for the model-agnostic measures, which is my, the focus of my research,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they just work by uh, changing the, the features, the inputs, mm-hmm. and observing how the prediction changes of your model. One example would be like feature importance, partial dependence plot, mm-hmm. and yeah, you have you need some kind of like clever way to to manipulate the inputs to, so for example, observe uh, how much does the performance drop of my model, and mm-hmm. then you could use this as a measure of feature importance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So in the, the first year of my PhD, I was basically like writing. The, the book and also um, creating the an R package, which implements mm-hmm. a lot of those model agnostic measures.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And now I, I'm writing uh, like uh, the first like, real paper, which is about measuring also in a model agnostic way, how complex a machine learning model is.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, within these methods, so uh, are there you know further classes of uh, methods which you're uh, kind of uh, researching on, or uh, so? So, what are some of these ways? Can you can you uh, tell us mm-hmm. a bit more about that?
1: So, one big distinct you can have two. There's two different methods. Like one are the the global methods I would call mm-hmm. them, and the other the local methods. Mm-hmm. Global methods tell you for your whole model what were, for example, the most important inputs, or how does one feature change a prediction, and on average. Mm-hmm. But those statements are always uh, for the whole model.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And on the other hand, the the local methods they explain individual predictions.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: For example, you have one prediction, and you this could be either to for debugging the model or also for for the end user of of the prediction model, mm-hmm. uh, then you, you might want to have an explanation for, for one prediction. And there are also different techniques like line, which is uh, building a local model that only um, works for this individual prediction, mm-hmm. or something called counterfactual explanations. For example, if a bank were to use a model to predict if someone will pay back a loan or not. Mm-hmm. And based on this, they maybe reject someone and say, okay, uh, our model said you shouldn't get a loan. Mm-hmm. And then they might ask, uh, okay, but um, why was I rejected? And then you could use counterfactual, counterfactual explanation that would maybe tell them, yeah, because you have too many credit cards and also you didn't pay back the loan 10 years ago or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Hi there, I have some exciting news for all our community members. Later this month, we have three exciting hackathons coming up with several companies. So check out those details on datahack.analyticswithday.com. These problems are not only from different domains, but they are some really exciting problems, including domains like telecom or using AI in healthcare. So make sure that you go to datahack.analyticsvidya.com and check out these hackathons as they'll be starting this weekend. I'll see you there. Traditionally, some of these methods have been, you know, used by statisticians to get to answers and kind of answer the questions like the ones which you mentioned. But uh, the the machine learning community probably didn't use them as much, or or the focus was not there. Uh, uh, What do you think were some of the challenges? uh, Why why you know machine learning community was probably not using or was not focusing on interpretability? Any any perspective which you can add to that? Mm
1: -hmm. So some of the techniques are quite. Old, I would say, like the feature importance, yeah. uh, at least for random forests, is around mm-hmm. since I think two thousand and one. Yeah, and also partial dependence plot is not that old. Um, mm-hmm. But I think like uh, the interpretable machine learning as a field, like just that you can Google it and and get like a, a good collection of resources,
2: mm-hmm. that's
1: quite new. So yeah, it was also qu- quite difficult to to get like a good. Overview over what you can do. So Mm -hmm. this is one of the issues. Mm -hmm. And also I think like, I mean, machine learning is around for a while, but still it takes time for machine learning to arrive in in different companies. And then well, they start using it, and then they realize, oh, okay, we might need some explanation for uh, predictions, or we have to explain our model to like just in general how it works to our management, Mm -hmm. then like need arises a little bit later, maybe. Mm -hmm. So I think that's this is why it takes a while or also when you do a competition for example then you only focus on a performance and uh so that's there you don't see an immediate need for the interpretability maybe
2: mm-hmm.
0: interesting and uh, and in terms of the active research which is happening in uh, in the domain, so you know, I know for example, Lime came out uh, probably three four years back. So so, what are some of the projects or you know work which is happening in in this domain, and how do you see next two to three years shaping up uh, in this part of machine learning?
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, Lime was uh, quite a, quite famous paper, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, like now, popping up a lot of um, adaptions of this, or also uh, a lot of people testing it out and, and showing some, like, maybe drawbacks or ways to improve those methods. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's like a lot going on at the moment in terms of research for interpretability. And I think a big thing, well, because it's quite hard to evaluate how good do those methods work. Because if you, for example, propose a new machine learning model, Mm -hmm. you can say it it beats uh, these three benchmarks and it's uh, better than the other model. Mm -hmm. But if you propose a a method for interpretation, you can Mm -hmm. say, okay, my method is better than the other method. Maybe you can, but not like perfectly, maybe just in one dimension or so. Mm So this is quite difficult. So one of the biggest issues uh, for the whole field is that there's not like a single, well, like there's not one definition of interpretability really. It's always like, yeah, kind of how well does a user understand, but then like understanding is also a very fuzzy uh, term. Mm -hmm. So there's not like a really hard definition for it. And some people also say there can never be a definition of interpretability because it, very much also depends on the the audience or the users of the, like the receivers of the explanations. Mm-hmm. So for example, some in some domain, people might understand linear models.
2: Mm-hmm. In
1: another domain, they, the people would prefer to see a decision tree. Mm-hmm. And another audience might need a very different type of explanation for how a model works. Mm -hmm. So, um, this is so much dependent on the background that, that you can't have a single definition of interpretability.
0: Sure. So, uh, you know, let's assume a hypothetical scenario that, uh, you know, one of the person who is, let's say, building a machine learning model and has got some results, but, uh, you know, the business kind of asks for more interpretable results. So, uh, so uh, you know, what would be your advice to someone who is in that position that they are able to kind of use machine learning to get some results, but they're not able to kind of communicate it back or or they're not able to uh, interpret those results as the business might want. So what are some of the, you know, things they can do to get to that place? Are there some frameworks which you can recommend, which they can follow and, and kind of uh, get to uh, a better place? Mm-hmm.
1: So two things that you can always kind of do. It also depends on the type of data. Let's mm-hmm. assume now it's, um, so my research is more focused on this kind of tabular data. Yeah. Um, because the methods for text and image are quite different so but let's assume it's some kind of tabular data Mm -hmm. then one quite uh, quick thing to do would be to measure the feature importance Mm -hmm. and feature effects yeah importance tells you just ranks you the features and then you can show this to someone like okay this was the most important feature for making decisions these were less important and then this is kind of a sanity check also and kind of builds up trust and at least shows a little like what the model does.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Then there's feature effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, feature effect tells you how changing one of the features changes on average the prediction. And this you can also use to build up a trust. So because someone else just looks at maybe the performance metric and well, it might might look good on paper, but you don't trust it because you don't know like uh what kind of relationship it learned, the, the, mm-hmm. the prediction of it. Yeah. But if you show the feature effects, you can say, okay, uh, when I increase, I don't know, age or uh uh some some feature mm-hmm. the prediction changes in this and this way, mm-hmm. like and show the curve. And this can also be used to so so that other people understand just like it's not a perfect um, perfect representation of what the model does, but at least you see some tendency uh, of what the model does.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. During this research, how did this idea that uh, you know uh, you should publish a book uh, came along, and then uh, when did you actually decide that you would uh, write a book along with your
1: research? Yeah. Uh, Actually, the book came before my research, which is a bit odd, I I guess. So this was, um, as I told you before, during the second job, I Mm -hmm. started um, doing some projects on the site. And at some point, I started um, digging into interpretable interpretable machine learning. Mm -hmm. Then I started reading papers and started writing chapters for for the book already, which Mm -hmm. at this time was only the the website. So... Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it started out like, uh, the, with the, the GitHub, like, uh, am just on the GitHub page of the book. I uh, published yeah. like the HTML version of it. And, um, am not sure, I think it's one year and a half ago or so. Mm-hmm. Then I said on Twitter, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm writing this book mm-hmm. and it's just like version 0.1 or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I got a lot of positive feedback. So this helped me a lot to, to keep going with the book. Mm-hmm. And also at this time, then I, I kind of decided, yeah, I enjoy so much the, the writing process and, and learning about it. And I enjoy working on interpretability
2: mm-hmm. that
1: I decided to start a PhD. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, yeah, well, then I started my PhD and also kept writing the book and at some point also um, created a version for LeanPub. hmm and now, very recently, I I finished the book. So it took me uh, two years. Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's. Oh. Uh... Yeah, it's, it's, uh, to be honest, it's, uh, you know, very, very inspirational because, uh, you know, I personally think that, you know, writing a book uh, takes a lot of commitment. So, you know, even if uh, you have all the knowledge uh, to put it down in a book, it takes, uh, you know, at least six to nine months of uh, work, even if you're doing it dedicatedly. And, the, you know, the other thing which I have a very high regard for is, is PhD, again, in terms of, you know, the commitment which it requires. And then you are doing both the things things <laughs> so a, a huge uh, kind of applause for what, what you have uh, thanks doing. Uh, you know once you started kind of sharing uh, your work uh, with the community through twitter and some of the pages how how did uh, how was the initial response uh, how did people react to it and how, and how did the idea about book uh, evolve after it or are it kind of stayed the same
1: yeah so well, the first was like, like this initial tweet uh, where I said, okay, this, the, the book is now version 0.1. It's about interpretive machine learning. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of feedback like, ah, oh, that's, that's really useful. And, and thank you for writing this and, and making this open. Mm-hmm. And then I saw like, it, well, that people actually read it because I also have Google Analytics on it and saw that actually people are, are visiting the book.
2: Mm-hmm. On one page.
1: And... Got a lot of like thank you, and also later people told me like ah yeah I I told my I don't know my I use it in my job daily or I um I have a I supervised a master thesis and now um I, I recommended your book to like as a starting point mm-hmm. so it motivated me a lot to to keep going
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and so I also shared my process every time so when I wrote a chapter I uh published it on the uh, like the website on the book website
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and immediately also shared it on twitter and and sometimes also got feedback and people sharing it and so this is uh i think that makes it also a lot easier to write a book if you get some immediate feedback Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i mean if i would sit for two years in my chamber and or my my room and Mm -hmm. write something and never know will people like it is it useful um then it's I think very hard to write it, but uh, like the way I did it, like with like sharing it very early in the process helped me a lot, and also I think was useful for the people already um, having access to the book.
0: Sure, sure, uh, definitely. Uh, when did you uh, launch it on Lean, Leanpub? So, so when when did that happen?
1: Uh, I think like a year ago or so. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, uh, recently, obviously, it has got uh, a lot of attention. I've seen a lot of uh, activity on uh, social media. So, uh, so tell me, how how do you see this going forward? So, would you continue to add uh, uh, chapters to this book? So, so this kind of continues to stay as a reference material, or uh, so so how uh, what are your plans for the for the book?
2: Uh, yes,
1: <laughs> my current plans are so. Right now, the version, I call it uh, version 1.0. Mm-hmm. And uh, my plan is to add some some more chapters. Uh, mm-hmm. For now, I take a bit of a break because I focus more on, on publishing a paper
2: mm-hmm.
1: for my PhD. But uh, afterwards, I want to pick up uh, again and start adding a few more chapters for the book.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, and then... And, at some point, maybe have a version 2.0. Mm-hmm. So I see it more like, uh, I don't know, like software development where you have a continuous like improvement of the product. I have some
0: exciting news on the courses front. We recently launched our AI and machine learning black belt program, which includes a combination of 10 different programs starting from basics of machine learning and data science and going all the way up to and teaching you NLP and computer vision. If there is one program you need to be future ready in the field of AI and ML, it should be this program. Go and check out this program on (laughs) courses.analyticsvidya.com. You know, with with the kind of advancements which are happening in uh, machine learning, uh, generally and, and deep learning more specifically. So, so how do you think that would kind of uh, play out with interpretability? So, you know, a lot of work which is happening on deep learning at times may not be kind of very interpretable. And then, yeah. So, so how do you think that challenge would uh, pan out and then, uh, you know, what can be done to make those models more interpretable.
1: So, so your question is like, how do I make uh, deep learning models, especially like newer, newer ones uh, interpretable?
0: Yeah, so so uh, the current ones, and then, you know, how do you think the future would pan out? Or what are some of the things the uh, the community mm-hmm. can do to kind of uh, make deep learning more interpretable in future?
1: Yeah. So one thing, and that's also the reason I wrote mainly about model agnostic methods, is that you uh, can, when you have a, when a model a method is model agnostic, then okay. it means that even if it ch- the model uh, underneath changes, like a more complex architecture, whatever, then you can still apply the same technique. So mm-hmm. that's uh, one one way to deal with this issue that you have ever evolving newer models hmm and yeah then there are also some techniques to for like specific techniques so to to interpret uh neural networks for example mm-hmm. um for example to look at um like the activation for of single neurons like what's what's the image that maximally like uh, gives it a maximum activation mm-hmm. so and also what what happens is that um many suggest so, so new architectures where with some interpretability um, constraints kind of, for example, that uh, the influence of a feature can now only be um, monotonous so mm-hmm. only in one direction mm-hmm. and not up and down. So I think we will see also a lot of those approaches where people try to build to build in interpretability into the model.:
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. or are there any you know community events or uh, maybe conferences etc which which focus on interpretability which which you are aware of which which people might uh, find useful if they are interested in this domain mm-hmm.
1: so i haven't seen like a whole conference i mean there's the fairness um the, the fairness conference like the FAT ML. um but mostly I've seen like that some bigger conferences have now uh, workshops for interpretable machine learning mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and what I've also seen that some some meetup groups now have um, meetups like just single events where the focus is interpretability mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. that's
1: also uh, nice to see sure sure
0: makes sense well uh, that that uh, definitely Helps uh, with your research, what are your plans? So when is this paper coming out, and then uh, you know how do you see your research uh, specifically uh, going forward?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so um, I try to s- submit my current paper, which is about like these interpretability measures or the model complexity measures.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I try to submit it uh, in a month to mm-hmm. ETML, like the uh, European Conference yeah. on Machine Learning. Mm-hmm. yeah let's let's see um if i can make that line but it looks okay <laughs> yeah okay. and um it's i kind of don't have like a i'm not sure what my uh, like the second project i will be working on will be so mm-hmm. i'm still quite uh, open on this part and sure. yeah one thing i'm interested in is like interpretability and causality hmm because I think many issues that also arise with some of the interpretability methods, the interpretation methods, is that when features are correlated, then it's difficult to do interpretation. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot say, okay, was it uh, this the first feature or the second that caused mm-hmm. um, um, like uh, the prediction to change? Because mm-hmm. you cannot change them individually. And I think one... Like solution could be to try to install more co- like causal relationship into the modeling,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: but yeah, that's also quite new field causality yeah. in um, in-, yeah, in machine learning at least. yeah
0: Yeah, that is true that is true and also i mean uh, with with more uh, you know uh, interpretability there would be uh, especially uh, you know with a lot of models now being used as uh, black boxes there are issues around biases and uh, you know ethical challenges kind of uh, surfacing so uh, so that's that's probably another area which is uh, uh, which will increasingly become more uh, important, and then obviously interpretability plays a huge role. And yeah.
2: You know, yeah,
0: great, great. Today, if uh, if the you know listeners of the podcast want to kind of uh, find the book, uh, so Leanpub is the place where uh, where we uh, the audience can find the book, right?
1: Yes, on Leanpub you find the like the PDF and uh, ebook version, and uh you can get it for free there or or pay something. Let's like uh pay what you want mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of uh, scheme. And then there's also the, the website which is on my GitHub account. Um but you will also find the link on LeanPub. I think if you Google interpretable machine learning, it should should um be on, on the first page. Sure. Um,
0: great, great. Uh, no, that that uh, definitely helps. And uh uh uh, anything else which you would want to kind of mention to the uh, community about, you know, importance of interpretability and then uh, anything which uh, they can take away and apply to their kind of day-to-day roles?
1: Yeah, I think so. Currently, like, um, you see, uh, I think it's quite becoming easier and easier to apply those methods. So, um and it doesn't cost you much to do it. So I think um, you just should look around to, uh, to like what software libraries are out there because there's they're also like getting better and better. So I saw like a lot of um, packages in Python or in R that can do those things. And um, so I think, yeah, I should just like try a few of those methods out and and um, yeah, sure. because it's getting easier to apply them. Yeah. And it's always, I think, interesting to see what the model does, mm-hmm. um, so and
0: then what are your packages, favorite, uh, uh, you know, two three uh, libraries or packages which which kind of uh, aid this uh, as of now?
1: Mm-hmm. So in R, this, well, I, of course, I have to say there's uh my the package that I wrote. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called uh, I, IML, like for software mm-hmm. machine learning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there's another big package. It's called daleks
2: mm-hmm.
1: Dalex. A D-A-L-E-X. It mm-hmm. has a lot of similar methods, but also some, some different and a bit different approaches. So it's also worth uh, checking out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: On, in Python, there is the, the SCATA module,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which runs like feature importance, partial dependence plot, for example, uh, line. And does uh, like Eli 5 or so. Mm-hmm. Um then obviously the which also implements a, a few different methods.
2: Mm-hmm. Then
1: also there is a line package, uh both in R and in Python.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So there's uh, the the ecosystem is growing a lot in, in the recent years for, for those um, methods so that you can actually use them and not only like read the theory about them. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm sure sure now that uh that def- definitely helps and uh, i'll i'll add the uh, link to your package and some of the packages which you mentioned uh as part of the great. notes to the podcast uh yeah. th- uh thanks thanks a lot christopher uh taking time uh out for the discussion and uh it was really great to hear your perspective on on the domain and and how the kind of book came around and uh, you know, the kind of response yeah. it has uh, created. Thanks a lot.
1: It was a pleasure. Thanks, kuna
0: Sure. Thank you. Thanks.